0: In
1: our funeral, in the terradome, neither. Welcome to hell. Yeah, 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 we are back, back in the flesh, baby. It's your boy, Walter Doom, back for another episode of Let's Talk About Horror, the horror podcast where we talk about any and everything related to the genre and listening to the ghetto sounds of (laughs) the background music. You know what time it is. It is time to come back. For the first episode of the new year. That was so cringy. (laughs) And I might just keep this cringe. (laughs) I could just literally redo this, but I'ma just keep this cringe. But anyway, how you guys doing? I'm back for the new year. Of course, this is the first episode for the new year. The last episode, I know it came out just recently. That episode was supposed to come out a couple of days before, but ran into some technical difficulties while trying to get that episode uploaded. But it is up now for you guys to listen to. If you haven't listened to it yet, give it a listen. I give you guys my top 31, or should I say my 31 films from worst to least. Well, from from not worst to least. (laughs) What the fuck am I saying? (laughs) From worst to best from the movies that I've seen throughout the year, I kind of leave out some movies that I mentioned before in the past couple of episodes, that there are movies that I haven't even seen at all, that I haven't gotten a chance to come around to seeing. And because I didn't see those movies, I decided not to rank those movies. So if you are kind of mad or upset that one of your favorite movies isn't ranked or even put in a ranking, just left off the list is because i haven't seen it at all but enough explaining today we got a very good episode for you guys today i am back and i'm gonna talk about movies that you should probably look out for coming this year if you ended up missing like a couple of movies like i did last year you guys could stream these movies because they will be hitting the streaming services pretty soon And I'm also giving you guys a list of movies that you should try and catch out in theaters or just giving you an idea of what movies I'm excited about coming out in theaters. And yeah, I just will probably waste my money on trying to go see. (laughs) But we are also going to break another one of Hulu's into the dark series since this is the new year and New Year's Eve passed by and New Year's Day passed by also but Hulu was working very swiftly to get their New Year's Day movie holiday midnight kiss out to us before the new year hit so what I'm going to do I am going to rank that movie for you guys and show you where it lands on in the ranking spot as far as the other movies for season two of the Into the Dark series. And after that, you know, we got our must-watch movie of the week. I have no meme of the week for you guys. Not this time around. (laughs) I'll make it up to you guys next time with probably two memes of the week. But for right now, we don't have a meme of the week for this week. But we do have a must-watch movie of the week to check out for you guys. So just sit back, relax, get some popcorn, and I will be right back. Welcome back, you guys. How you doing? It's your boy. (laughs) That that was actually really kind of cringy, but I don't know why I did it like that. But anyway, before we start talking about the movie streams and movies that you should probably check out for this year... Um, let me talk about a couple of things that, that is going on with me. So yesterday, I went to Natural History Museum because I live out here in L.A. Yeah, I went to that yesterday, and they have this special exhibit called Natural History of Horror. And in this exhibit, they kind of use scientific discoveries on as the inspiration for different horror movies. Now... I was very excited to see this because they actually had like a guest speaker from Andy Muschietti um, a couple of months ago and I ended up missing out on that. I believe I mentioned that once before in this podcast, but if not, it was probably one of those like dump podcasts that I was recording and just like not went through with it because of timing, but (laughs) moving on, I went to the exhibit yesterday because I didn't even know this exhibit actually existed until I heard about the Andy Muschietti shit. So, I went to the exhibit yesterday. Or actually, depending on when you guys are listening to it, I went on a Tuesday, I should say. I went Tuesday. When I got there, I was hoping for something really expansive. I was planning on being there for like maybe a couple of hours because me, when I go to exhibits, I don't just go to just look I usually end up reading like the story, the articles behind each artwork until I grow tired of actually reading. And it kind of takes me a while before I get to that point, especially when I'm breaking in between reading and looking at art pieces. So I'm already taking the idea that I'm probably going to be there for like a couple of hours. I'm thinking like, okay. If I go there at this time, I'm probably going to be there for like two or three hours. Tops. That's usually how long I usually take. Um, I remember one time when I went to go see the Dead Sea Squirrels, I'm kind of upset that I didn't even make my way back over there because I had to go to work that same day. But when I was there, I was there for maybe like a for like one hour just to see it. And where I work is like not too far from Where I was going. Well, it's not too far from the exhibit. So I was like, all right, let me catch this exhibit first and then head to work afterwards. Whatever, whatever. Go there, end up going there for like, well, being there for like an hour till I realized, oh shit, I really need to leave. (laughs) So what ends up happening is, I get through a lot of the exhibit, but I didn't really get much appreciation from the exhibit. So that's one of those exhibits that I kind of am regretful for not spending more time because, like I said, it takes me a while to be at an exhibit. And when I'm exploring and just looking through all the different artifacts, I really like to take in all the information that i'm getting and seeing from what i'm looking at so i'm there at the natural history museum checking out the exhibit sure enough i get there and i'm it's like not that many people there because like the time i get there is like 2:30 the museum closes like around 5:30 i get there no line which is a good thing i'm glad there was no line i was able to go in Go straight in, girl check off my check off my ticket, get my stamp, asked her where the exhibit was. she told me where it was, head straight down there. As I entered the exhibit, I see that there's like a little wall for it and everything, little display. I'm like, all right cool. I'm at the right place. Walked in. I was like, okay, I see the creature of the Blue Lagoon, fine, that's good, but let me see what the rest of the room looks like, well, my surroundings, let me see how deep these rooms are going, so, as I'm anticipating, like, a really long exhibit, it ends up not being anything at all, like, it's a very small exhibit. Very small. Everything was it all in one room. Now, the way they set everything up was nice. I mean, you have in one corner is the Creature of the Blue Lagoon. You know, they got like um, the actual costume, the head of the costume there also. Um, They actually have the fish that it was actually inspired from in another corner you have Frankenstein they got like a couple of experiments there one where you can actually electrocute a frog lick to kind of like get it to twitch then you got like another area where if you pull on the lever you get to see Frankenstein's face and then a couple of like set pieces on the side of that cool. in another corner is the mummy And I mean, after going to like the King Tut exhibit, I was kind of already, I don't want to say tired, but it was like, okay, I already know this stuff already about the inspiration for the mummy. I mean, King Tut, uh, a tomb that wasn't found for so many years. And when people were trying to find it, you know, they couldn't find it for a while and so happened like it was accidentally found by some native who lived there. And yeah, after they dug it up, I mean, all the locals, they were afraid of like some curse happening and just breaking loose and all that other shit. So, we yeah, I was already acknowledgeable about the mummy, but they had like a little screen area where if like you could look through the tomb, you could see like the mummy's head, which is Boris, Boris Karloff, you know. And then in another area was Dracula and they had like little activities that was pretty cool to see. But after going through all of that, I realized I'm only going to be here for like 30 minutes to an hour, which I ended up being there for. I mean, not to say that it wasn't cool or anything, but I was really disappointed. Now, the thing is, I am glad that when I saw this exhibit, I didn't pay for this exhibit because at Natural History, every month, well, every Tuesday, well, every first Tuesday of each month, except like July and August, it is free to go into the museum and it's free every Tuesday in September, which I don't know why they do it that way. But either way, I'm not complaining and I'm not complaining for the fact that I did go for free. I saw it for free. I... Enjoyed what I saw and I was out in a rather rather like just a few minutes. So, I mean, if anybody were to go over there, if you're ever in the L.A. area and it's still there, it's there until April. Yeah, I would advise you to go during like a time when the exhibit is free. Well, when the museum is free, I should say, and check that exhibit out. It's not a special exhibit or anything like that where you have to pay extra. It's just... An exhibit that's part of the museum. And just as long as if you pay for a ticket or get a ticket, you could just see it however. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't advise anybody to pay to go see it. I'd rather just get that for free. Get the free ticket and just watch the exhibit that way. But moving on, moving forward, we are going to talk about movies to look out for in 2020 since we are in a new year we are expecting a lot of good movies to come out not only just on stream but also in theaters first off let's talk about movies that are coming out on stream that we all should be excited for or that is coming out in this month bliss is one of those movies that i'm excited for that should be coming out on january 30th that movie is starring Dora Madison, my WCW. <laughs> I am gonna forever probably t- say that on each podcast that she's ever brought up. <laughs> but um yeah, I've been wanting to see this movie for a while. And just to know that it's coming on shutter, I'm excited for it to be to be able to see it once and it comes out. It's coming out this month. So yeah, I mean, definitely I'm going to check that out. Um, another movie that's coming out on Shutter, but it hasn't really been given a release date yet, is Three from Hell. And we all know that's the movie that is Rob Zombie's little story of the Firefly family starring Sid Haig, Bill Moseley, and Sherry Moose Zombie. And this is supposed to be the conclusion of the Firefly family. I already know because there was an article stating that Three from Hell will be on Shutter because they already have the rights to Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses so you're able to see those two movies already on that on that platform and I mean it's only right for them to also have Three from Hell another movie that we all should be excited for but it hasn't really been announced yet is Daniel Isn't Real which stars Miles Robin and Patrick Schwarzenegger And I know last time I didn't really remember Miles Robbins name, (laughs) but this is another good movie that was also very critically praised and what have you. And I mean, usually we all know for movies that are critically praised, we really don't have like, well, at least for me, I don't have the best, um, best opinions about the movie. So yeah, I mean, Daniel Isn't Real should be coming out pretty soon. I'm excited for that to come out. Another movie that is already probably already out, but we are having such a difficulty. It should be out but it's not really showing just yet. It's Midsummer, and that's the Ari Aster film from last year. And I mean, if anybody's excited about Midsummer, I mean if you haven't seen it, it's on Amazon Prime. So if You've been wanting to see this movie for a while, definitely if you have the Amazon Prime account, go ahead and check this movie out. But, I mean, right now, we are actually dealing with a lot of technical difficulties with this film. Because every day I'm always checking to see if the movie just been made Prime. And I see, like, the only thing that's available is to rent the movie. And it's kind of confusing to me because I'm like... But they said January 3rd, midsummer is going to be primed on Amazon. I don't know. I don't I don't really own that place. But yeah, once it comes out, you guys, it should be coming out pretty soon. Um, last movie that we could kind of get excited about, but I mean this is only on my list because it's coming out this month. We really don't have much word about. Well, at least I don't have too much word or seen any movies that I'm really excited about throughout the years to be on any Netflix, Hulu, or whatever platform. But this movie should be coming out pretty soon on the 23rd of this month. And it is Prodigy, and it's going to be out on Hulu and Amazon on the 23rd, like I mentioned before. And, we, all, yeah, I didn't bother to see that movie. So, the only reason why I'm putting this on my list is because I want to see how crappy this movie really is. I wasn't interested in seeing it in theaters. I was not going to pay money just to go see the Child's Play trailer, teaser trailer, which eventually ended up being on YouTube anyway and then sit through an hour and a half to two hours to watch the prodigy no thank you (laughs) but those are a couple of movies that I'm kinda excited for to see on stream now let's talk about movies that are coming out in theaters there's a few movies I mean it's a little bit more than just five um there's like six movies that I'm absolutely excited for and can't wait to see. Um, There are three movies that I'm kind of excited to see, but eh, not so much. I mean, I probably could wait until they come out on DVD. I guess I'm going to go back and forth with them. So, first movie I'm excited for, Candyman. Yep. And you guys should already know, I am standing already. I am... Pro Jordan Peele, if you guys hate me for liking Jordan Peele, fuck it, <laughs> fuck you and your ideas. <laughs> Not nah, kidding, but um, yeah, I can't wait to see this movie. I can't wait to see what Tony Todd brings because we got news that Tony Todd is going to be on this movie, this reboot, and well, it's supposed to be a spiritual sequel. Whatever that's supposed to mean, honestly, I really don't know what that's supposed to mean. I guess it's supposed to be a sequel to the first movie, whereas those other sequels really don't fucking count. Which, honestly speaking, they shouldn't anyway. Because in Candyman Part 2, I mean, they took the story from Chicago and moved them to New Orleans. I honestly didn't understand why they did that at all. It didn't make any sense to me after after watching the first Candyman movie. I don't understand why they did that. But yeah, they moved the story from New Orleans for, from Chicago to New Orleans. And I did not see the third one yet. I will soon. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I am going to hate that film. I am trying not to have that kind of expectation. You know, I'm trying to wipe all that kind of negativity since it is a new year. Let's wipe all that negativity out the window. But other than that, I really don't know. Um, I'm Switching over to movies that I'm kind of excited to see, but Antlers. That's an A24 movie and the only reason why I'm kind of excited to see, but c- really just wait until d v d or a streaming release is just because i mean i' don't, i really don't know much about this movie, and the only reason i want to watch it a twenty four i mean come on a twenty four has done some really good interesting movies, and sometimes i'm i just think like besides bloomhouse I mean, they're also like one of the best film companies out there. A24 has gave us Midsummer. They gave us Lighthouse, which also got critical praise, but I haven't seen it either. They gave us Hereditary. They gave us The Witch. And the list just goes on and on, really. We're pretty much knowing what we're going to get from A24. And... What I'm expecting is just a really artsy horror film that twists your mind and reality of what's happening in the film to lengths that we could only just imagine. I mean, really. So, yeah, I mean, with Antlers, I'm kind of excited, but I could definitely wait until it's on DVD or like a streaming release. So moving back to like movies that I am excited for is the Saw reboot that is done by Chris Rock and I mean no n- no other way to go into explanation I mean it's Chris Rock doing a Saw movie and I'm kind of interested in seeing like how he is going to approach this film I mean because we've had Saw movies for the past couple of years well past couple of installments that were just total duds. I mean, I still say to this day, even before I started doing this podcast, that Saw 7 was one of the worst movies ever. It was terrible. That ending, though, was definitely unexpected. But, I mean, that's about, that's good about that film was the ending and the plot twist to know that Dr. Gordon is the one out there helping Jigsaw. But other than that, I really don't care about anything else from that film. The film was a disaster film. So I'm interested in seeing what Chris Rock does with this film. Um, I know the writer, um, I can't remember which Saw movies, but it was some Saw movies that was terrible. I believe he was writing like Saw's four to seven, I believe. No, I actually he wrote Jigsaw. Jigsaw was another one which I forgot to mention just now. He wrote Jigsaw, and Jigsaw was terrible. It was really terrible. I, don't, I really don't know anybody that was really in love with that film. I mean, it made no sense. I mean, because now it's like we're going back even more further in time with another person that's helping jigsaw out i mean it's it's getting to that point where it's like how many apprentices has this man acquired before he died from the cancer that killed him i mean technically the cancer didn't kill him it was all his traps and shit like that that killed him but yeah like how many apprentices has this has this man with with a brain tumor just like gathered <laughs> it's it's insane and it's insane and how many more people are we trying to connect together with this man or because of this man I mean at this point it got to the it got to the absurd realization of like how many people are just well not how many people but why are they trying to connect so many people together with this man it's overdone it's really overdone going back to another film that i'm kind of excited about but don't really know much about um i was reading just a few of the notes about this film but it sounds interesting but it's malignant and that should be coming out in august and sorry for like if i haven't been mentioning dates about when movies come out candy man comes out january 12th no not sorry i'm sorry not january 12th june 12th no, that would have meant like that shit is coming out this month but candy man coming out in june 12th antlers is coming out april 17th malignant coming out august 14th and just reading some of the notes the movie sounds very interesting Um. That's about it. (laughs) I'm not going to go into too much details about that. Moving over to movies that I am very excited to see. A Quiet Place 2 that is coming out March 20th. And we are going to come back to the family where we left off in A Quiet Place 1. And it's interesting because I didn't even think that they would actually bring a sequel to this film. I mean, I guess the film in a way was kind of hinting towards a sequel, but to actually now get it, I mean, it's like it made sense now to me. But yeah, we'll we'll be back with um, I believe it's Emily Blunt. I don't know. I I sometimes I forget who's in the in what movie. <laughs> oh man, I'm terrible sometimes. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely. Wanting to see that movie, and I can't wait till that comes out. I'm definitely trying to go to theaters and see that one. Um, Coming back to movies that I'm sort of excited, Escape Room 2. That one comes out August 14th, and we are going to have a continuation of the story about this organization who are trapping people in these mazes, that lead to life or death. Now, I mean, I'm kind of, I like Escape Room, but I'm not too excited for Escape Room. Um, maybe for more of the reason that it just reminds me of Saw, but in a lower fashion kind of way. I mean, it's not that exciting to me. I mean, it's dope, but it's not like Saw where you get like much of a storyline at all. And I guess since the last characters that actually survived, you know, I guess we're going to probably build a story more around them than anything. Um, We'll see what Escape Room brings with, like, I guess a new batch of, like, characters that get fucked up in these mazes and shit. But coming back, circling, because the rest of these movies are movies that I'm actually excited to see. Invisible Man, coming out February 28th. Excited because James Wan is behind this film. No, I'm sorry. I said the wrong person. It is Lee Wanell is behind this film. Simple mistake. Um, next movie, Purge Five. Can't wait till that comes out. I have gotten all the Purge movies, as you guys already know. Um, I watched all the Purge movies sometime last year. And yeah, I can't wait to actually see this film and see how they continue with this events of people killing and what have you. Um, and last but not least, Terrifier 2, which is yet to be determined if that's going to come out this year or not. But we know Felicia Rose, if you guys don't know. Well, I know Felicia Rose is going to be in it. But those are the movies that I'm kind of excited about for 2020. You know, movies that are going to come out to stream. Um, those that are going to be released in theaters. You know, we'll see if my positive attitude holds up in another installment of my, I guess, rankings list of like best to worst or least to worst not least to worst (laughs) worst I don't know why I'm saying least to worst I don't know for some reason my brain is messed up but from worst to best movies of 2020 so what I'm going to do right now you guys I am going to take a break and when I come back I am going to talk about Where Midnight Kiss is ranked in the Into the Dark series. So like you shouldn't say in screen, I'll be right back. What's your favorite scary movie? And we're back, you guys. So as you know, Hulu's been running their Into the Dark series since last season. Since the Halloween episode, The Body. And since then, I've been ranking each film from best to worst for you guys um this month we've had three movies so far for season two and the three movies right now and how the order goes is pilgrim which was a thanksgiving film that is standing at a nice first place with a score of 3.63 we got nasty piece of work which is the christmas special um, that sits at second with three point two five. Sitting third right now is Uncanny Annie, which was the Halloween episode, sitting at at a score of two point two five. In December, Hulu decides to run their New Year's Eve special, Midnight Kiss. The plot of this story is that a group of friends, well. Homosexual friends, I should say, and their gal pal are all celebrating New Year's Eve together. But while they are celebrating New Year's Eve, there is a killer running loose and trying to kill the friends, well, set friends in the story. This movie is starring Scott Evans, who plays the character Joel. Lucas Gage, who plays Logan. Aiden Mayeri, who plays Hannah, and my God, I mean Hannah. <laughs> okay, we won't we won't get too distracted, you guys. I'm, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop uh, drooling over the women. <laughs> um, August Prue, who plays Cameron, and Chester Lockhart, who plays Zachary. The thing about this movie, it is kind of reminiscent of Knife Knife Heart or Knife Plus Heart, as I usually call it, which is also a homosexual or LGBTQ-type movie. So they both have a lot in common as far as it's an LGBTQ community that is being shaken by a killer on the loose. Um how I feel about the story, I will get to it at the end. But let's sit and talk about the plot for a second in the story for a moment, which is something I just felt like really lacked. I didn't really care for the story as much. Um, we're, inter- we're introduced to the characters kind of a bit. Um, we first meet Ryan, who ends up being the first friend killed in the film. And we don't really get much information about him except that he is about to spend vacation off with his little sugar daddy that he gets. Then after that we're introduced to Hannah and, and Cameron and they're in a restaurant talking together. Hannah's getting drunk and Cameron is just in his own world about his exhibit that he's about to have Um. Within that time, we meet Joel and Logan, who are a couple together. What's going to happen is that everyone is going to Joel's parents' house to have New Year's Eve. But in the midst of all this excitement, Joel actually lets the gang know that him and Logan are getting married. Just fine with that. Um, The only characters that are missing, well, the character that is missing from the group is Zachary who is kind of like the friend who usually just appears or disappears whenever he wants. He doesn't really commit to anything the friends are doing, so he just does his own thing most of the time. The thing about this movie that I really absolutely didn't like is that throughout this whole film, get a lot of smoking mirrors about who possibly could this killer be. We all know in most films dealing with serial killers usually the killer is somebody that is close to the characters in some way or form. Like I mentioned before in Knife Plus Heart the killer ends up being a guy who was a closet homosexual and after his I guess his sexuality is kind of exposed to the people that know him close he vows to kind of get revenge because he they kind of ruined his life. And not to mention, probably was heartbroken from the gay actor who kind of made him fall in love with him and just broke his heart. So, yeah. But in this film, we get a lot of smoking mirrors about who this killer could be in my initial watch. I mean... My thought was really just, was it Cameron? I was more looking at Cameron as being the killer, but then it started switching to Hannah. And the reason why I switched it to Hannah to my thought of her being the killer was for the simple fact that out of everyone that was in that group that she was with, she was the only one who wasn't with anybody or had any connection with anyone. And I felt like she probably had like some secret deep feelings for Cameron. Who I felt like she was more connected to than anything else. Especially since Cameron also was the one who took her virginity. Or she took his virginity or however that shit went. Either way, she was the first to fuck him. And who knows how long she's been kind of holding a torch for him. But... Probably since she found out that he was gay and all that. She probably felt kind of bad for herself. And just, I don't know, who knows. Like, she's probably been holding the torch for him. And was probably hoping that it was all just a phase. To where he comes back to her. But who knows. I mean, that's just me. Kind of thinking ahead without seeing the rest of the film. I thought that he was it. But then when Joel actually killed... Cameron's little boy toy Dante who Cameron found at the club that they all go to to celebrate New Year's Eve at I kind of figured like okay maybe Joel's the one that's that's the killer because he did have a relationship with Cameron what the other characters don't know is that Joel actually feels very victimized and villainized by everyone because they felt they took Cameron's side over Joel's And just because of how much of a hard exterior Joel has, they all just blame Joel for the reason for the breakup and what have you. But that was just me thinking that it was him. But it ends up being Logan, who turns out he was Cameron's random New Year's Eve kiss because every New Year's Eve, the gang, they play this New Year's, Eve kiss game well midnight kiss game where they go to a random stranger and as long as it's consensual they get a they get a kiss from that stranger and after they get the kiss from the stranger they could choose whether they want to let that stranger go or do anything else with them which requires either just making out to having sex with them or spending the next day with them. So, what we end up finding out throughout this whole movie, which ends up like trying to play with your emotions about who possibly this killer was, Logan ends up being the killer, and we find out that he was the one who was in, well, who is in love with Cameron and still is in love with Cameron. And because he didn't fully come out as a gay man, Cameron kind of like broke that mold for him and he's just been admiring it since. Um, the story is supposed the story is supposed to be taking place in like a succession of years though. So it starts off with like 2017 I believe. It's either 15 or 17. I can't remember which year it was. But either way it was They they always kind of count down each year with their Um, New Year's kiss that we see like in the beginning of this film and Logan was at one of the parties and when I did a rewatch I kind of did see the character Logan in the background Not really prominent, but he was definitely established in the film and I mean It wasn't anything wrong with them actually establishing him as the one who is the midnight kiss killer I should say But it just seemed like to me, it was kind of weird for them to make him the killer for the simple fact that if anybody he was going to kill, it should have been more Cameron than anything. It's like with Scream. It's like with Ghostface, even though Ghostface killed everyone, we all know who Ghostface is really going after. He's after Sidney Prescott. He's not after really anyone else. If anyone else he kills, I mean, they were pretty much just in the way. Or he's killing them to make it look like Sydney is the killer because she's the only one closest to those people. And that's the same thing with Knife Plus Heart also. Guy Favre, who is the killer for all the people that were working in that gay sex industry movie. He was killing them because the guy that he was involved with was someone who was in films in that industry and he was the one that kind of broke that guy's secrecy and kind of ruined, in quotation marks his life um, in this movie Midnight Kiss I felt like the the reason for Logan to kill everyone which he does kill a couple of characters he doesn't kill the characters that he should which is really just Joel and Cameron honestly I mean if anybody he was going to kill it should have been those characters but he ends up killing like people who don't really matter at all I mean he ends up killing Ryan in the beginning for whatever reason I don't know Um, he ends up killing Zachary which is like I don't know why he killed Zachary what did Zachary ever do to him I mean maybe because Cameron had such a promiscuous relationship with almost everybody in the group. Maybe because Logan was probably jealous and I could see that could be probably the reason why he killed everyone was probably because he was jealous that they were close to Cameron and Cameron didn't really notice him at all. But to me, it just, it didn't seem like it didn't seem fitting for that character to be or it didn't seem justified enough for me to see Logan killing all those people where he could have just been trying to aim for Cameron the whole time. You get me? That's just that's just how I feel about that. Now if they written it in a way like to where like Logan was trying to go for Cameron and Cameron only the whole time in this film. Maybe then it'll be a little bit different. And maybe everyone else could get killed on just pure coincidence or just, you know, they happen to be there at the wrong place, wrong time. Maybe that could have been the reason why Zach was killed. Maybe Zach could have been in Cameron's room instead of, uh, I don't know whose room he was in. I think it was in his room which is supposed to be Joel's mother's room and what have you, if Zach was in Cameron's room just doing random shit or just, like, going through his things and Logan in the little BDSM or whatever costume that was, it looked very BDSM to me. So, I mean, if I call it BDSM and I'm wrong about that, I mean, that's just how it looks to me. But, um... I believe, like, that costume is called a Zentai. <laughs> and that's what I learned from Archer. Just a random thought that came into my head. Like, what is that suit called? It's not a cat suit. It's a Zentai. Because <laughs> it covers the whole body, but um, that that's just another conversation for another time. <laughs> Um, yeah, if Zachary was just in Cameron's room for whatever reason, then that kill would have been justified. But for Logan to kill Ryan just at his home and what have you, for whatever reason, and probably knows that Ryan is actually taken off to go see his lover, kind of doesn't even make sense for him to even kill Ryan to begin with anyway. But I just thought that like... That there was too many smoke and mirrors in that sometimes like the, the whole like Logan killing everyone that it doesn't, it didn't seem justified well enough. Also, what didn't seem justified well enough was definitely the timeline of Joel and Logan's relationship because I guess they're getting married. So in normal relationships, I mean, I would both, I'm hoping that this is a normal relationship it's safe to assume that these guys are probably together for more than like three years or so and if so i mean at one point logan had to spend new year's eve with joel it seems weird to me and i don't know if anyone else caught that as far as like a plot hole that that Logan is going to Joel's parents for the first time and he's spending kind of like a first time with the gang on a New Year's Eve and just because it feels like it's the first time they're all really hanging out and he's catching wind about the whole Midnight Kiss game, which kind of annoys Joel that everyone is bringing it up and they're kind of like shoving it in his face um It seems weird that this is just the first time that he's hearing about any of this at all. And it's like, you're supposed to be getting married to this dude. I mean, I would think like, at some point, that whole gang actually spent New Year's Eve together. Which they do, which they kind of do establish in the film. And they establish it in the beginning of the film with Ryan. When Hannah says, it's not going to be the same without you because they do this every year so to me i just felt like it wasn't really well written or well structured to the point of like okay if they're supposed to be doing this every year why is this the first time logan is seeing the house why is this the first time logan is knowing about the game he should be already kind of keen to all of this already. Which kind of like really puts a damper on the whole fight between Logan and Joel. And maybe they probably were together for more than like three years or so. And Logan just didn't spend New Year's Eve with, with Joel at all. But to me, I would feel like... At some point, maybe not the first year of the relationship, but definitely the second year, third year, or however long those two are together. It should have been established that he knows about all of this. But for him to just go in and he doesn't know anything about the game and all this, that and the other, and he's about to marry this guy. It just really came off as messy to me. Which is what I'm about to say about the characters. If there's anything more messy than the writing was definitely the characters also. Messy in every way. Like Cameron, selfish. Just straight up selfish. Like I just felt like after watching it after the second time. I couldn't really like this character at all. And I mean I didn't really care for him the first watch of the film. I was just like, okay, you know, they're doing this, that, and the other. Okay. I mean, I guess they're calling themselves girlfriend sister, blah blah blah, whatever. All right, that's their thing. I mean, that's that's what they do. But just just like digging into like the character himself and seeing like how he treated Hannah, which is by is is shit by the way. It's so much shit. I really did feel bad about Hannah. And it was like she poured her guts out to him. And she was trying to hint to him like, hey, I'm not happy with like how this relationship is going between us. I mean, she really was really crying for help. And all she gets is just pretty much condemnation or just like criticism because she's hurting. I mean, she's like in the beginning of the scene or beginning of the movie when they're in the restaurant and she orders two Bloody Marys and Cameron only gets one. He kind of makes fun of her for getting two and just being drunk and getting drunk all the time. But it's like for her, it's she's hurting inside because of, well, she's, friends with a bunch of gay guys and this is just me like and she didn't really say it but she kind of hinted towards it where she's like friends with these gay guys and she seems like she's always in the middle of their relationships kind of like information going to all their parties and she's not really doing things for herself she's doing more for them than she is for herself when we go back to the club where she is talking to Cameron and they're on the side talking and you know after they order their drinks she tells Cameron like she doesn't see anybody that she wants to kiss when he asks her does she see anybody that she likes and she tells him like she doesn't see anybody even if she did see somebody it'll be pointless to try and kiss him because it wouldn't mean anything why? Because they wouldn't like her for anything because they, they're they not straight. And she was trying to hint towards him. You know, she wasn't trying to hint that he was selfish. But she was trying to tell him that he could be selfish. And she was trying to tell not only that him that he was selfish, but just that him, Joel, and all the rest of the guys gay straight or not they're self well actually she didn't even say straight she just told him like not to bring up a stereotype about gay people but that they're really selfish and she was telling them now i don't know how true that is by the way but she was telling him like he's selfish joel's selfish and all the rest of them are selfish and they are really what they are they are selfish So, to me, I just saw Hannah as, like, just the saddest character on there. I just was like, man, I feel real sorry for her. (laughs) And, honestly speaking, if she would have gotten killed in this film, I really would have been sad. I would have been really disappointed that she was the one, or if she was the one to get killed. I was already sold on the fact that she might be the killer that I was okay with. But if she was one of the people that got killed, I would have actually felt really bad for her. (laughs) That's just just how I felt. And I really usually don't feel too bad about characters. I mean, for Christ's sakes, I actually laughed at Simba's death on the new Lion King movie. I don't know. I don't know who else found that shit funny. I found that shit fucking hilarious. When that motherfucker tumbled down, I mean I just was laughing. <laughs> I oh my god. If if you could find that clip, anyone, if you could find that clip on YouTube, watch it and tell me that shit don't want to make you laugh. That shit is fucking hilarious. But moving on. <laughs> Like I said, um, we're going to move on to Cameron now because, yeah, like I mentioned before, Hannah is kind of like the saddest character in the film. So if Hannah's the saddest, I mean, Cameron is definitely sad, but he is hiding that shit with different activities and a lot of promiscuous, unattached sex with people. And obviously Cameron is still kind of probably hurting from Joel, but it's like him and Joel are still supposedly friends in quotation marks, but yet Cameron is always taking little shots and it and it kind of reminds me of like some bitter ex-girlfriend that you just hang out with or a bitter ex-boyfriend for females out there or whatever whoever you are, you know, it reminds you of a bitter ex, in a way, and I know, I I was at one point a bitter ex, also, dealing with, like, a female who got herself some new, new dick and whatever, and it was just like, ah, oh, fuck that dude. <laughs> that dude's a bitch, anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's human, it's human, it's only human, I mean, to be honest, man, I really hate the fact that some people sit there and talk about oh well you know I just want to see my ex happy you know whatever they do it's their business blah 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 whatever whatever and it's like but didn't that motherfucker cheat on you like how can you sit there and be like I wish my ex all the happiness after they cheat like hell nah fuck that son I want to see that motherfucker miserable I want to see that bitch miserable <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just the evil side of me or whatever. I don't know. I just feel like some people are just lying when they say that shit like, "Oh, well, I just want to see my ex happy." Fuck no. I don't want to see that motherfucker happy. I want to see that person miserable. <laughs> and especially if they cheated on me. Like, what the fuck? I don't want to see them happy. I want to see them miserable. I want to see them get the same actions done to them that they did to me. <laughs> I mean, come on now. That that makes all the sense in the world, but moving back to what I was talking about with Cameron, yeah, he is definitely still probably bitter about Joel and just seeing Joel with like Logan and how happy he is with Logan. It kind of it kind of burns him still inside. You know, even though Cameron is the one who broke up with Joel. He still, he hates the fact that Joel has moved on and he is happy without him. But it's like with Cameron, and that's that's the thing. I didn't really care for Cameron's attitude too much. And not to mention that Cameron indiscriminately had sex with almost all the characters except for Logan, in the film, like literally, Cameron, well, not Cameron, but with Hannah, when she tells Logan about who hooked, who hooked up with who, I mean, Cameron pretty much hooked up with all the dudes in the group, and it was just like a nasty game of musical chairs. And, I mean, I guess in a way, this is supposed to be the sp- of the film but it's like to me I, I looked at it as if you substitute the gay guys for like straight people the movie still isn't that interesting with like the whole slutty game of musical chairs it still comes off as messy if you think about it so I looked at it as that aspect and I really did not like Cameron's character and Joel, I mean, it's like, it's kind of hard to cheer for any of the characters, honestly, because I didn't care for Joel that much. I do feel like the characters did kind of treat him fucked up, though, and just was like always talking shit about him. But yet they wanted to use him for everything he had, like his nice house, on um, the nice food, well, not nice food, but the good drinks, the nice clothes. The places where they could plan to get away and have fun at, like the different clubs that I guess have like good atmospheres and what have you, each New Year's Eve that they go through. And it's just, it feels like Joel was definitely the most underrated, not underrated, but underappreciated character in the whole film. It was fucked up. But it's like, to me, None of the characters kind of had any... They lacked all like the accountability for whatever was going on. And it just seemed like more of the characters were kind of like... Blaming each other. Just because they were like... Or actually, they were all mainly blaming Joel. They all blamed Joel, but also Hannah. She was kind of blaming the gay guys also that, you know, the reason why she isn't happy is because she's hanging around those guys, but it's like where's your accountability for yourself, like you know, besides getting drunk all the time and doing all types of different drugs and what have you um, don't you have girlfriends that you could go out with and have fun with like, you don't necessarily have to hang around those guys all the time you could find girlfriends and just hang out with, and maybe you would find like a straight guy that you wanna be with. And it's funny that when she was talking to Cameron like, "Oh yeah, um, would you go into a straight club with me?" And he his response was so condescending, I didn't like that response. It was just like straight club. What would I do at a straight club? Like why would I go there? And it's like. Dude look at your friend right now. And I can't stand people like that too. Because I know a couple of people. That did shit like that. Like, They they would just like. Tell you to go this place that place. And you know. And then once you bring them like. Hey like would you go to this place. And, And they're just like no. Why would I go there? It's like. Motherfucker, look where I'm at (laughs) you know it's like it it seems so one-sided with a lot of these characters like it's just all one-sided messy relationships and they just all didn't take accountability for like everything that happened and because of that I mean everything just went like total shitsville I mean even Logan he didn't even hold no accountability for himself in that film also where he was just like You know, hey, like, I fucked up, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sitting here being a closet, I'm a closet homosexual man. And, you know, I can't really come out because of this, that, and the third. But it's like, dude, like, it's not Cameron's fault that he's not interested in you, bro. Like, you can't fall in love with just that one guy I mean it didn't make it I don't know they try and sell you on this fact that this this character was in love with one guy just because he had this one little kiss and he just liked the way this guy flourished into the night scene and what have you with his friends and what's going on so instead he tries to force his way into that group hoping that he gets his new year kiss to notice him which he doesn't, but ends up catching the eye of his New York, well, his New York East kisses ex-boyfriend. I mean, it's just really messy. It's kind of like that 70s show in a way also. <laughs> just very messy relationships and people just switching partners and shit like that. But... A couple of things that I did like about this film is definitely the location. I didn't like the settings for, like, how they used them. But I did like the settings and how they were designed. I really did like the design of the house, which also, like, I don't know why they made that house seem like it was, like, more bigger than it was. I mean, it was, like, how hard is it to find some of these characters? You're not in a two-story house. How the fuck can you not find this person? You can literally see this person outside through the screen doors come on now i don't know it just got to that weird point and this is what i mean by like the whole smoking mirrors it's like they try to make it seem like this house was like so big and humongous but it wasn't really that big at all and they try to make it seem like characters couldn't find each other but it's like literally characters could just walk down the hall so that was a poorly used setting um the club scene which I didn't really get why they even used the club scene to begin with. Which was also like, why is this here? Because, honestly speaking, they could have just stayed at Joel's parents' house. And used that house as a place for a party. Because, in the middle of the film, you do see Logan in his Zentai BDSM suit. And... To me, I'm just like, okay, does this dude carry his suit everywhere? So, it kind of threw me off a bit because I thought he was going to actually start killing people at the club, but he didn't. My next question is, does he bring the suit everywhere with him? Because that didn't make any sense to me. And not to mention that, I think the dude only wore like a button-up shirt. So, how how the fuck is he carrying this suit? Which is an all over suit. With him. If he's wearing a button up in shorts. Or was he wearing pants. Either way. I didn't, I didn't get how he was able to bring all that shit with him. It didn't make sense to me. But eventually. Um, in the middle of this film. When they do start playing the game. You do see Lucas. I'm not Lucas. You do see Logan. In like a three-way with two other men, and pretty much Lo- Logan got his shirt off, or I think his shirt was open. Either way, he had he either had his shirt open or his shirt off, and another dude was giving him a blowjob, and it was just like, okay, how did how did it how did this dude get his get his little outfit in the club, and how does he have his little outfit like? I don't know. I was confused. But, less about like, that situation. Um, more about the design of the club. The club was definitely a very I I would say like flamboyant club. As far as its design. And it was kind of weird also. I actually thought it was weird that in this story that in this club they had a designated area where all these guys were just fucking each other I don't know it was just weird to me now I've been to gay clubs before because I got a couple of friends that are gay and the the couple of times I've been in those clubs I have never noticed a room or I was not even trying to find a room <laughs> find those type of rooms by the way (laughs) but yeah I have never noticed any type of those rooms being there or even existing so I mean it just seemed kind of weird because in this very scene they, they get Joel and Cameron this is when we learn about Cameron actually leaving Joel instead of thinking like Joel left Cameron and what have you but it was more Cameron leaving Joel, but yet Cameron is the one acting childish and what have you. But, in this scene you get Joel forcing his way onto Cameron and start making out with him and you just learn about their little tit-for-tat situation and drama with each other. I mean, I guess it was like open to exposition and just trying to like establish some relationship lines or guidelines or what storylines or what have you but at the same, same time I just feel like they were trying to I guess write in or well, trying to fill in some plot holes that just was really noticeable throughout the movie in the beginning and yeah this was just not really a good feeling especially with the whole like There's a scene, I mean, I don't know any places that have, like, scenes where, like, straight people could do this in the club. (laughs) But, I mean, I don't know what kind of club this is. I mean, if it was like, you know, if it was like a BDSM type club, then that's understandable kind of way. But I didn't really understand it at all. It just seemed weird to me that they would add something like this for this movie. And the last thing I want to talk about also are the kills, which I mentioned kind of before, like, it was not really that great that only two people really got... Well, technically, four people got killed. If you count Logan and um, Cameron's boy toy, Dante. But the two kills that happened, which were by Logan, which were um, Ryan and Zach, they weren't really that great. Now, the Ryan kill was actually... It caught me off guard a bit and I actually did like that kill. It was definitely interesting to see that while Ryan is taking a shower, Logan kind of creeps in, slits his throat while Ryan is kind of like clinging for life. Zach pulls out a camera and throws like glitter or confetti all over Ryan as he's dying. I mean, that that was actually a really interesting kill in a way. To kind of establish what this movie was about. But then the rest of the kills. They don't really. They weren't really that good at all. Between. Like. Logan shoving the champagne bottle down. Zach's throat. After he kind of fondles him. You know. While Zach is just rummaging through. Joel's parent. Well Joel's mother's clothes. And. What have you to like Joel choking out Dante, which also seemed like an unnecessary kill, by the way, which, again, goes back to the reason why I didn't like how they were using so many and mirrors and trying to fool us into finding out who the killer was, because once they show that Joel killed Dante, I mean, we're all thinking like, OK, Joel's the killer. But then turns out Joel is not the killer Which is like, okay, what is happening? But then, like, to see Logan, who takes the final death, which is, he takes, like, the the drugs to his, eye. I don't know what kind of drugs was in that syringe, by the way. I don't know whether it was, like, some fucking ecstasy or molly or whatever, because they were taking molly in the club, but... Yeah I don't know what they put in his eye. But obviously they these people had a lot of fucking drugs. <laughs> if they had a syringe. And just like shooting him afterwards. And actually he just got shot once. What was weird also is that. They left his dead body out in the. In the back area for the next day. Which to me I'm like. If they would have called 911 earlier. Which I'm pretty sure they did after he died. 911 should have been there, like already gathering up the body. It still should have been nighttime. But the body was still left there. And what was even more weird is that for the fact that Cameron, he got patched up also. So he had like a little bandage where he got shot at from Logan. And he had like a little sling to kind of like help hold his shoulder and arm in place and what have you. Because, again, he got shot in the shoulder. But, it just seemed weird. Like, everything about this movie just seemed really off. And, I just feel like this time, around, like, to me, trying to, like, come up with notes about this film... I was paying too close attention enough to where I could notice everything really wrong with this film from the writing to the characters and just to the kills on how they used them and structured them out. So, hence why this movie is sitting at the last spot for now with a score of 2. Yes. (laughs) It was bad. It was really bad. I mean, compared to pilgrim who obviously has every reason to kill people because this dude is a murderous pilgrim in a cult like he's a cult leader like Charlie Manson and it's like it's understandable everything was justified what this pilgrim was trying to do same thing with Uncanny Annie which if we want to go to worse Kenny Annie was definitely justified because the fucking girl Annie she just was not playing fair at all and all she wanted to do was break those guys' friendship up because one bitch wanted to take another dude's b- boyfriend so yeah but if we wanted to talk about between like another New Year's Eve movie. Which was New Year, New, Me, New You. I was about to say New Year, New Me. But New Year, New You. With Suki Waterhouse and Carly Chankin. That one was actually a really better film. And it was definitely well justified with those characters. On why Suki Waterhouse's character wanted to claim revenge on to Carly Jenkins' character. And that's because of that one girl's suicide. She blames Carly Jenkins' character on it. And what did Carly Jenkins' character do? She benefited by getting a web series. She's getting all these multi-million dollar deals. While Sydney Waterhouse's characters had to just deal with a lot of adversity after that. So, yeah, that movie was a little bit better. It was well-structured more than this film. So, yeah, this film is a 2. It is the worst one so far. Is it going to finish out as the worst film in the whole series? I don't know. Now, to me, like, if you were to watch, like, an LGBTQ movie, and I've mentioned this before in my ranking list for 2019, Knife Plus Hard. yes, it may have some uncomfortable erotic scenes but it was actually a well structured film and it was well written also in this film I mean yeah they have uncomfortable scenes also but this film was just like not only uncomfortable because of that but because of just like everything else that comes with it as far as the acting the story structure and the murders in this film so yeah it it sucks It really sucks (laughs) so this is another film that could go in the trash with Teresa and Allison (laughs) oh man but anyway I am going to take a break and when I come back I am going to give you guys an outro Wendy darling light of my life I'm not gonna hurt you you didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. <laughs> Alright, y'all. We are back now. As you know, this is an outro. And every time we give you guys an outro. or well, every time I give you guys an outro. We have a must-watch movie of the week. And we have a meme of the week. Now, like I mentioned before, I don't have a meme of the week for you guys. I've been kind of like inactive in social media lately, so I couldn't really find any memes or anything like that. Um, I do have a bunch of memes in my phone that I kind of like saved and what have you, but I haven't taken a look at that because I've been more focused on trying to structure out this episode a little bit better and trying to give you guys a little bit more quality content. Yes um so for no further time of waiting i don't know how i was gonna word that but we are gonna talk about the must watch movie of the week which is headcount now i watched this movie last night it is on netflix it's a movie that came out in 2018 and starring isaac j bevan brew and ashley morgan and the plot of this story is a shape-shifting creature terrorizes a group of teens in the desert after one of them reads a mysterious chant from an internet site yep and this movie was really good um, it was very interesting I would say the least um, there were parts of this, this movie that I really didn't care for too much Um, like some of the acting but for the most part the movie is interesting um, it's not as violent like some of the other films that I really like to watch so I mean if you're not someone that's too interested in blood you could definitely watch this film because it just really has like this whole I guess psychological twist or what have you that really kind of brings you into like the realm of like what the hell is going on. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, if you guys got Netflix, I would advise you guys to watch it. Or if you don't have Netflix because you got Disney Plus, then, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) But anyway, I am about to head out. I am going to try and catch you guys next week. I am definitely going to try and be back next week. And we are going to have a more interesting show to talk about. I don't know what it is yet. (laughs) <laughs> oh man but yeah we're gonna talk about some shit <laughs> but if you guys have any like comments go ahead and leave it go ahead and leave your comments in the comment section other than that i mean like subscribe follow me on my social medias Doom one on twitter at Doom on instagram And I will see you guys next time for another episode of Let's Talk About Horror. This is America. Don't let them catch you slipping up. Peace.